Ooh, that looks tasty. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hungry Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews. And today, I am joined by the men, the myths, the legends, the second string, I guess, of Solosaurus, <laughs> Martin Gonzalez and Michael Eckenfels, who I kid, they now have taken over Solosaurus, a solo gamer only podcast why they're talking to me because i play games that aren't solo i don't know but here they are so welcome gentlemen thank you for joining us and Hello. The first thing we have to do because this is boards and brews what brewed beverage do you have with you and everyone listening or watching it is 9 30 in the morning so <laughs> you can judge people based on what beverages they hold up right now so for me All right. i have a coffee uh, I think it's a local, relatively lo local company uh, called Counterculture is the brew that I have in my Omicron Protocol swag mug. Ooh, wow. Um, Michael, why don't you go ahead while I, while I pull up a website? Uh, well, I've been up since 5 a.m., so I've been up for four and a half hours. I've already drank my coffee. It was Costco Donut Shop, Curry. Awesome. I've got uh, Kirkland Alkaline water right here. <laughs> Uh, I got my second vaccine yesterday, so I've got something of a headache going on. Uh, so, uh oh, I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm good with the coffee right now. <laughs> I feel a lot better. After Michael, that. you you knew we were going to be appearing on a video podcast called mm -hmm. Boards and Brews. You had one job, Michael, one job. I got plenty of brews in the fridge. Yeah. But that, that's okay, Mark, because we're going to get to your one job that you had a little bit later. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Um, so I, first of all, so I've done, I did my research on this, on this um, content, uh, your show, and I listened to about 20 minutes of uh, the previous episode. And so I feel a little bit, you know, you know, kind of cheated because we're not recording this at a reasonable hour where I could be holding some, you know, snooty hipster craft beer. Um, <laughs> so um this is Intelligentsia Black Cat Classic Espresso Coffee. Uh, I believe this is a um, coffee shop. They're, they're an outfit based in Chicago, if I'm not horribly mistaken. And um, yeah, that's kind of my go-to in this uh, in this uh, mug, this apple pear mug. And all of us watching, we 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 know you're drinking beer out of that. You just don't <laughs> want us to know. Yeah. What's that brewery up in? Oh no, I'm gonna have to look it up now. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Is, is this what was this? Is this what happens, Michael? You, you you say something and he goes down a rabbit hole of internet research in the middle of recording. Is that what happens? He's usually pretty good about keeping on topic. I mean, I'm usually the one that goes off, and he's the one who keeps us straight. So, <laughs> so, so 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 you're saying that we're in trouble if he's already. We're on. we're all in trouble. We're always yeah, in trouble. pretty much in. That's all right though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll jump in. I'll, I'll let Michael start with the, the rapid fire questions here. And ho hopefully by the time he's done, uh, Martin will have rejoined us. Uh, so these are the questions we always ask. Who the crap are you? What is your channel? What is your shtick? And how and why did you get started reviewing games? Uh oh, wow. That's a long story. I've, I've been playing board games since 1977 or so. <laughs> uh, my first one I ever bought was when I was eight years old back then. So it's, it's been a while. I've been in the reviewing game since about 2002, uh, mostly war games, strategy games, that kind of a thing. 
uh, got into solo games pretty early on in the mid-80s when they started really making them. But at the time, those were mostly war games, of course. Uh, the board game market didn't really blow up until, what, mid-90s, late-90s, something like that. But I still, just as a matter of, of situation, had been playing games solo because, you know, back in the 80s, there's no internet. How do you find people that want to play these games? It's, you know, it was hard. So I, I learned to be... Um, schizophrenic of course <laughs> to play multiplayer games uh both sided or multi-handed as they say so uh once i got into about 2002 starting reviews i uh really kind of took off there and started doing more than that i started doing computer game manuals i did a board game manual for uh, age of mythology board game that's my big star that was like 2005 so <laughs> um i'm helping out on some other projects right now though across uh across a few Kickstarters, so that's fun. I like to keep busy doing that kind of thing. Um, but ultimately, Solo Source, of course, is where we're at now, where I am uh, co-hosting with the indomitable Martin G, of course. Uh, we had been talking for probably about a year, Martin, I think before that, to do a podcast, and we just never landed on anything because just time and you know scheduling and that kind of thing. And then this whole thing started when um, Brandon reached out to Martin saying, hey, would you take this over for us? And uh, he said, yeah, of course. And then he thought of me and contacted me. And that's how we got going with that. So it's funny you say second stringers because it is true. I mean, <laughs> I listened to a lot of their uh, podcasts once this came up and I was like, yeah, these guys are really good. So hopefully we can uh, hold a candle to it. And uh, so far, it's so good, I think. So, well, you know, the, 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 the second string, you know, when the when the, the old stars get old, they're not they're just not as good anymore and you got you got to bring up the we got to bring the rookies in you know they got to get their playing time yeah well i'm I'm way too old to be a rookie so (laughs) (laughs) anybody watching i I, i'm not bashing on the old guys that they actually had a great great podcast uh i'm just i'm I'm just giving uh michael and martin a hard time oh that's all right yeah i I just didn't didn't want your legions of fans like how dare he make fun of our people (laughs) no i think if you did not wonder you know, I, it's it's part of the shtick. I mean, it's all right. <laughs> we have that sense of humor, so it's perfectly fine. Oh, wait, oh so, what, so what is the shtick, though, for your for solo source? Well, that's a good question. Um, we talk about think, we talk about game. one game, one right. solo game per Although, episode. Right. That discussion sometimes goes into other games, and I try to keep track of that when I'm producing the podcast, and I usually miss out on some. But sometimes you look in those show notes, you'll see. A dozen games listed because we mentioned it during our our discussion but yeah the focus is just one yeah and and we try to go super deep and that's carrying on the tradition of brandon and carter who started the show three years ago now almost three years ago now and uh as michael mentioned yeah so brandon wait reached out to me on facebook messenger and you know we just kind of just been felt i mean i was a fan because I was listening, Solo Source was the only kind of solo centric podcast that I would listen to when I wasn't hosting it yet, and I didn't know that hosting it was in my future or co-hosting it, right? And then um, Brandon reaches out out of nowhere on Facebook Messenger and says, "Hey, life's changing. Carter's situation is changing. They're having a kid, and uh, would you be interested in taking this on?" He goes, "He thought about it, and he figured that there would be no one else that he could think of who would be, you know, which was both." I mean, I felt like it was an out-of-body experience, right? It's like, here's Brandon. I've listened to his voice so many times. 
you know, and, and the thing about what, what separated the Brandon and Carter incarnation of Solo Source was that they would go super deep on an episode. And then you would learn, actually learn things, you know, and you know, there's a whole bunch of content out there that's super wide and mentions a lot of stuff, but doesn't go deep. You know what I mean? And so that was anyway, uh, you know, here I am branching off in like 10 different tangents at once, but I was super it's honored. It's okay, you're going and... deep. You're going deep. <laughs> I was super honored that he would even think of me. Um, and uh, and then it, it like it was it was a serendipity because as Michael mentioned again, he had I been kicking around this should we should do a podcast together, you know, whatever. And and again, Michael and I had just kind of met through, you know, board gaming, social media, whatever. I haven't been a board gamer. I started in late 2017. It was actually my oldest son who uh, sucked me in. It was Eldritch Horror. That was my um, kind of gateway game, you know, if you will. And that kind of connected to when I was still in college and I had a regular group and we would play a lot of the old Chaosium Call of Cthulhu games, Masks of Nair, Lafotep, whatever, you know. And the 1920s kind of like Cthulhu investigator milieu, that's still my my baseline, my, my, my favorite, you know, kind of time or whatever milieu in gaming. So anyway, um, Michael and I were off and running, and Brandon basically handed us all the keys to everything Solosaurus and all the graphics and all the um, and all the passwords. And he's like, "Here, you know." And and then and then we kind of picked up where we well. And, and were you were, able to hear the the tar the car tires squealing as he peeled out and drove away? <laughs> Suckers! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We we actually had two kind of transitional episodes where. Carter couldn't make the episode where they where they reviewed Arkham Horror LCG, uh, the card game, and I had famously at that time kind of had a thing where I I'd had a love hate relationship with that game. I'd actually done a video where I'd left it on the on the sidewalk, um, you know, whatever it was a thing, and um, so so that was it was me and uh, Brandon, and we kind of reviewed that game, and then the following episode was this mega episode where it was. Brandon and Carter, kind of like the, the old guard, and then Martin and Michael, the new guard, and we reviewed Mage Knight, and three out of the four of us hated it. <laughs> so that one caused a stir. Um, and then Brandon was like saying that Mage Knight is one of his all-time favorite games. So so there you have it. And then after that, it was just me You've and Michael. never spoken again. With their, yeah. Uh, Brandon revealed something to me during this process. He keeps his his um collection his game collection solo game collection down to about i think the number is 28 games very disciplined and you know like he's he got a obviously a very very kind of um detailed and and profound you know thinking behind like why does this game deserve to be in my collection versus meanwhile i look at the 300 plus behind me and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) you know so yeah and the question is, how many games have you bought since we've been recording? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm doing in these other browser tabs, you know, on Amazon here and uh, Game Nerds over here. I mean, it's the deal of the day. You're, you're bothering, you're actually, this is uh, interrupting my uh, game deal mojo right now. <laughs> Sorry, miniature market. <laughs> Boards and brews, not brought to you by anybody who sells games. <laughs> You know, I, I did actually, I reached out to my favorite local brewery and when I'm usually what, if it's not in the morning or, you know, early enough that I'm drinking coffee, just to see, 
And I actually I put it in the email. I didn't ask for money. I was like, you just want to send me some of the beer, you know, and I'll, and I put it in the email as I, as I wrote it. I said, I said, now, now that you're done laughing, I'd like you to actually consider this. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're not They're like, oh, no, no, we, we, we don't, we don't do it. We don't do it out doing that, you know, pandemic stuff. And I was like, so you're saying to email you again when everyone's vaccinated. <laughs> gotcha. But let's actually jump into the beginning of the actual podcast here, which is to start out with, what have you been playing recently and what's on your table right now? And that can be a different thing. Uh, let, let's start with you, Michael. Well, I did play Heroes of Tenefir Fire. How do you say that? I think it's Tenefir, but I don't know. Tenefir, what? Okay, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I actually did play it last night. Thanks to Martin sending me his print and play copy through the mail, fortunately. Uh, I appreciate that, Martin. That's that's really good quality stuff, man. And it makes me go, hmm, I need to print and play, which I never do. Uh, <laughs> my own components to it, you know, to, to uh, flesh it out. But anyway, so I did play that. I wrote it down. There we go. So I do have Australia back on the table as well. Uh, because yeah, that's, that's uh, the the zombie game, the Martin Wallace zombie game. Oh gosh, Martin! <laughs> yes. Oh, did, did I yes, just open is. a can? No, no, no. I see. It's funny because Martin mentioned this game to me months ago, right? And it, it's on our. Well, I guess it's okay to say it's on our plate to review for Solar Swords. And um, <laughs> I didn't know anything about it, so just looking at the title, that's the first thing I thought of too. It's a zombie game because it's got a big capital Z in it, so it's got to be zombie related. And Martin said, "Oh no, 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 no." <laughs> So I looked at it, I'm like, oh, it's Cthulhu. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And then there's this big thing. It's a really a fascinating game, actually. It's something I totally had no idea about. And jumping into it has actually been quite enjoyable. So I've done that. I told you so. Yeah, see? <laughs> but that was funny when he said, oh, Michael, no, it doesn't have anything to do with zombies. What are you saying? <laughs> but there's a big Z in the middle. So I think, right, exactly. I think Martin must be wrong. There's got to be zombies in there somewhere. There's got to yeah. be, yeah. I mean, the... <laughs> If, if you if you want to conflate extra dimensional you know like uh creatures who follow non-euclidean geometry with zombies then i guess yes i'm sorry uh, could, could you could you push your glasses up your nose while you say that <laughs> and by the way i have that in mint condition <laughs> which is funny because it's michael who does the voices i, I don't do this what i talk about here <laughs> It's not in my Dungeons and Dragons book, though. It's uh, but it, but it's in my Pathfinder book on page two thirty two, section four. Um, I thought it was actually, in the Monster Manual. The, um, um, page two thirty seven. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if, you unless the, you have the, the the third edition book. That's right. You don't, think you, have the third edition. you don't have the fourth edition, which was downloaded. The, 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 yeah. Oh boy! Here we go. Here we go. That's it. Anyway. So that was that was officially the moment when this podcast this this uh, content went off the rails. <laughs> I mean, luckily, 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 not that many people watch. So it's okay. <laughs> um, I mean, which is a shame because that was Michael's best stuff. That was his best material. <laughs> He's really good. I'm done. All right, talk to you later, Mike. <laughs> That's it. Drop the mic, Mark. What what have you been playing, and what do you have on your table right now? All right, so what I literally have on my table right this second is a Harry Potter House Cup Tournament Worker Placement Game. Yes, absolutely. I am a huge Harry Potter fan uh, slash nerd, and um, I bought this game. First of all, 
I didn't know. Like the only halfway decent Harry Potter game I've ever played is uh, Hogwarts Battle, the deck building game, and I, you know that was fine. And it's actually the most played uh, game of my family. You know, because the whole family grew up on Harry Potter and this and that. And it's an okay deck builder. Okay, you know, whatever. And wow. and I just thought that's it. There's no other. Like everything else is garbage. And then literally last week, wow. you know, I found out that the op is it the op the op. Whatever USOPOLY yes, yes. became. Used um, to be USAOPOLY. Now, right? That's what yeah. I'm doing. I'm doing my best Eric Summerer from, from Dice Tower. <laughs> from the op, formerly known as USAOPOLY. <laughs> and, and they put out a worker placement game in the Harry Potter universe. And I took a look at it, and it's, you know, the reviews were lukewarm. Uh, but, hey, it was Harry Potter. So I bought it. I bought a uh, from Amazon Warehouse. So it came, and, you know, Amazon Warehouse they'll tell you it might have some type of cosmetic damage. Well, <laughs> this one had a huge just gouge in the side of the box that had gone through and nearly destroyed the rule book and then bent the, um, the, the game board. But, it, you know, everything was still in there and I got a deal on it. You know, I got about 10 bucks off on it. Um, and <laughs> Utterly destroyed game. 10 bucks off. 10 bucks off, you know. <laughs> hey, anything for a deal. Um, and, and, and it's not a great, like the components are garbage. I mean, literally for a worker placement game, you have these tiny flat discs and, and they have a little like, you know, tiny picture of the, the student, Harry Potter, Hermione, whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this won't do. And so I it, it almost instantly made, you know, print and played proper standees for all of them, put plastic bases on all of them. And now it feels like a more proper, you know, like a proper worker placement game. And, and you know I'm playing it. it. It doesn't even have a solo mode, but I'm playing two-handed, and I'm I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. Told my family about it. Um, you know, even my my relatives in upstate New York, and they're like, "Yeah, send." And I said, "I'll, I'll even make standees for you so that you have a better experience." They're like, "Yeah." So that's that's what's on my table right this second. I'm also um, making my print and play copy of a Genotype, which is from what is this Genius Games, I believe. I forget who the uh, who the um, designer is. Um, if only there was some sort of central website where we could look this stuff up. Um, yeah, some sort of central website that was on your shirt right now. <laughs> for people who are just listening, um, Martin is shilling for BGG hard right now. <laughs> but yeah, Genotype is a, um, I believe it's also a worker placement game about Mendelian genetics um traits and you know how these get passed on through generations and all that stuff and i find that fascinating and uh i hope to have a working print and play copy by about two o'clock this afternoon and um, to, also anybody who doesn't know but martin is slightly obsessed with doing print and plays mm -hmm. um, yeah I i've mean, done about 150 of them and, and and they're not like print and plays like i do every now and then i'll do some stuff it's not like us normies print and play stuff <laughs> it's sometimes better quality looking stuff than you get out of the actual box like real cardstock and real printers and lamination and i don't know probably blood of orphans in there somewhere too to really make them pop i mean you get the best meeples from compressed blood of orphan absolutely <laughs> well there you go you think and, i'm joking uh, we just took a dark turn didn't we um which i, which I can only feel like must be michael's fault um yeah so yeah. for for myself i've been playing hadrian's wall mm. like crazy so, lately is that a roll and write 
but it's, very it's detailed. A it's a flip and write, but it's it's heavier than any blank and write style game that I've played because mm-hmm. it's uh, you get your resources like like a Euro game, and then you you know use the resources to allow you to scratch other or color in little boxes, but it turns into this. Sometimes it feels like you have this perpetual motion machine because you're using this this resource to fill in this box. But of course, that's by filling in that box, that's going to give you another resource. And then you take that to use it over here and you use that over here. And so you start out each turn, maybe you have eight resources, the different colored meeples or like workers and soldiers and citizens and whatever, and, and stone, lots, lots of stone. Um, but then by the end of the turn, you may have had 20 that you've collected and used throughout the, the entire turn. It, it is, I don't particularly like roll and write or blank and write type stuff a lot. I don't really care about it. I did just, I have a review coming out this week of uh, Merchants of Magic from um, Rock Manor Games, which is pretty fun. But, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I, I will play this occasionally and uh, I enjoy it and it was a good review. But I am quasi addicted to Hadrian's Wall. Like it is just, and I'm, ter- I'm terrible at it. I'm so bad. It has like the scoring meter that you get, you know, zero to 40. You're a schlub. 80 and above, you are Martin G. You know, like whatever, whatever it may be. And I, I can't get past like 50. I'm just terrible. But every time I play, I'm like, this is the game. This is the time I got it. Like the other day at uh, lunchtime, because I'm teaching um, most of the week from home. It's you know, like we're doing now. And so lunchtime, I was like, I could eat lunch or... Or I could play a round of Hadrian's Wall. I was like, get out of here, food. I don't need you. So I'm super addicted to that, to, to that right now. Re- really, really enjoying that. It's just the, probably the, I'm going to say, I'm going to go on, I'm going to say it's probably the heaviest role, something and right game out there because there's just so much going on, which makes it really, really cool. So there's that. And then on my table right now, it's not actually out yet. It's getting set up as soon as we're done because I'm using the table to talk to you guys is uh, Dungeons of Infinity. I've been working on a, that was a small Kickstarter. They, they barely, barely funded, took like two years to deliver. And uh, so they sent me a, a review copy and I kind of feel bad because it, it got, it just got some solid buzz in the dungeon crawl community and adventure game community. And it's already sold out. Like it sold out all the extra copies in like two days or something. So here I have this review copy I'm working on. I'm like, well, not really. It's not completely useless for you to sell some games, but okay. Um, it's a kind of an odd in-between style game because it's you're putting your tiles out and you're kind of sending your heroes around through you know through the dungeon, and that in itself leads you to think it's maybe a heavier game because you got a bunch of different stats you're tracking and your abilities are going to boost this and now you're going to play this card it's going to let you use this ability but you have to roll this number on the 20 sided 20 sided dice that lets you think it's a little more complex you got to roll under this number on this for this ability and all these different things you're tracking but then you get into combat and you just put out a couple cards and there's no like tactical combat really but there is tactical combat because you lay the cards out in a grid people who are listening i'm waving my hands all over the place like an idiot um, and Martin's totally getting it. And so there's this positional combat that you do, but it's at the same time as being heavy because you're doing strategic positional combat is very light because you just have cards out there. You're not moving anything. So it's this very kind of odd mishmash of odd sounds negative. I'm not negative on the game at all, but it's this odd kind of mishmash of heavy dungeon crawl and super light dungeon crawl. And so I'm trying to get through, it has a, 
an interesting campaign mode where it's, I don't know, 10 chapters you play through, but each chapter is focused on a different character. So if you play through the whole campaign, you will then have played all of the characters, which is a different take than most dungeon crawls, because usually, you know, you do a dungeon crawl, you pick your characters and you're, you're going to go through. And sometimes you have something you just kind of leave in the box and you never, you never bring out. So it, it, it's an interesting thing. So I'm hoping to kind of get, get through that and hopefully it'll be as fantastic as uh, Martin thinks Harry Potter stuff is. So this this is going to come right out of left field, and you would have never thought that I would mention this, but have you ever played um, Aliens? Uh, <laughs> what is Here that one? What, what is the title another of that? Another Glorious uh, Day in the Core? Yes, Another Glorious Day in the Core. Have you played that one? I have not, because, and I'm, now Martin's kind of close. He might be able to come hit me. I don't really like Aliens that much. Oh, okay. Uh, now, where's, where's I don't the dislike leave, now, leave, but I'm, hold on, hold on, hold on. Zoom <laughs> conference button. Before you get angry, before you get angry. Now, I don't dislike aliens, but for me, I don't, I mean, I'm, sci-fi is, is second behind fantasy stuff for me. It just, it just is, it doesn't excite me as much. It's very hard for me to get excited about a game based on an IP because I already know what happens and I get angry, not angry. I get, I, I, I get snippy if like we're playing through aliens, another glorious day in the core I know these people are supposed to be dead by now. They died because the lieutenant was horrible and sent them in. They're all dead, but nope, they're not dead. And if we're going to win the game, then, you know, the uh, Vasquez isn't going to blow herself up in the tunnel because we're amazing and we want. So I, I just, I don't like that. <laughs> well, actually, well, actually, um, I Vasquez blew herself up the last time I played. It was awesome. It was awesome. But anyway, <laughs> now she, I actually, she actually could have made it, but uh, Varus Militude was ruined, and Martin sent her back and just blew her up uh, for nothing. There's a, there is a card in that game called "You Were You Oh You Always Were an Asshole," uh, which is one of the greatest cards, uh, and I love that when that card when that when you actually get to play that card. Um, no, but I meant I asked the question because I'm looking at Dungeons of Infinity. And I'm looking at kind of like the cool, do you have the cool kind of player board with the slider, with the slider things on it? Yeah. And you know, the, the slider player board <laughs> is, it's a neat idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, and, 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 and to be fair, like, you know, when you first put them in, it's like, you know, you, you feel like you've never felt like you're more pathetic as a physical specimen in your life. You can't get the things to move. Oh. But they, they, you know, they, you move them, they, they loosen up. But they're kind of pokey and sharp. So when I put it back in the box the first time, I actually had got paper towels and layered them in between every board, so it doesn't, you know, scratch it all up and and, and ruin all the text and stuff on there. Yeah, well, the, the only reason I bring it up is because I'm looking at it and I'm like, it reminded me of the setup for another glorious day in the core, especially when you're talking about and the combat is you know kind of card driven, although. Yeah, the combat in the game is kind of controlled by cards, but there's also a lot of dice rolling resolution. So yeah, I've watched a couple of playthroughs of uh, Glorious Day in the Core. Um, one of my favorite channels just to watch a playthrough is uh, Meet Me at the Table. Uh, Barrett he also does stuff on One Stop Co-op Shop, mm. and so he did one. So and he did he boy that you got a challenge on who likes aliens more. You 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 or him? And so he he did one. So I was watching it. It's a it does some interesting stuff like with the way the your, your was it your aim value or whatever the, the more you shoot the worse shot you are type type thing right um yeah that does it does some, some neat stuff uh um michael have you have you played it or is this just oh, yeah. martin 
Yeah, we reviewed it for Solar Source in the past episode. Oh, it nearly well, it yep. nearly got the stamp of approval, right? As I recall. Very close. Yeah, almost. Yeah, so so, so uh, now that I've all the episodes that I've listened to, not a single game has gotten a stomp of approval. Now, to be fair, I haven't listened to all 70 episodes. I think I've listened to five, five or six. Not a single game has gotten a stomp of approval. What do you have to do to get stomped on here? Oh, boy. Well, Michael, since you and I have been doing this show last uh, year, late last year, um, have we, have we, we've only handed out the stomp, an unequivocal stomp once, as I recall. Is that a true, a true statement? You did, on, you did on one, and I did not agree. I can't remember what game that was, though. You remember? <laughs> was it? Okay. You and, I gave the stomp to Warp's Edge. Ah, yes. That's what it was. Yes. And you didn't like Warp's Edge. I did not like Warp's Edge. That's right. I remember. That was the first time you and I wildly diverged, disagreed on, on a game, which was fun. Right. Um, did, we, did we review Friday, you and I? Yes, we did. I give that. That's a stomp game for you me. You stomped Friday? I did. Oh, yeah. Did we? No, it's really sad that I can't remember that. Um, <laughs> let me, let me look Friday, at to me, is nearly a perfect game design. And we can go down the reasons why I feel that way. But anyway. I mean, you, you not, have played games before, right? What's that? You have played games before, right? <laughs> Friday is perfect. Yeah. Oh, it's from a from a design, I think from a game design perspective, <clears throat> I believe it's it's genius. Yes. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I think we did give it a stomp, actually. I can't find the show notes for that particular episode, but I believe and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, yeah, we did actually. So yeah. But that's it. Um, so we gave a full stomp to one game, Michael and I, in the Mike in the MM era, and then a half stomp to uh Warp's Edge. Kind of a tap. That was it. <laughs> and, and, and that's what, uh, 15 episodes or so? Something like that? Mm, no, we've been about 10, 10, 10 ish okay. so far. So it, it's tough. Now, as, as I'm looking at uh, our notes, because you guys are so lovely and made so many notes, uh, Martin, I see you also have anachrony on your yes. table. That one is just literally sitting in shrink on my table right now. <laughs> now anachrony. You, you did make yes. the right choice and you got the exosuits. I that's did. one of those things that is a cosmetic upgrade for people who don't know the workers in anachrony they're little cardboard chits okay. and it comes with when you put them in their exosuit and you send them out into the, the wasteland of you know uh, cupertino or wherever it is you it has a hex tile that you put them on or you can get these gigantic stompy mechs which are huge and has a slot where you can kind of drop your worker in the top and it is so delightful to play with those toys that is pure. The only thing that compares that you can upgrade cosmetic upgrade for a game that you can pry from my cold dead hands. It compares to that are the noise making bases in let uh, dwellings of elder Vale. They have oh, monsters and the legendary edition. So the base editions are standees, the deluxe edition, they have miniatures for the monsters that you can get the legendary edition there's bases that you put the monster on, and when you put it down, it roars. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! <laughs> and, that and, is and really amazing. Each 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 monster has its own different sounding roar, and like, <laughs> I will fight you before I let you take those from me. <laughs> that's amazing. Now the the quick story behind uh, Anachrony is that you know people have been I, I I've been kind of like slowly dipping my toes into Euro games, um, and they've been getting 
kind of crunchier and crunchier, increasing in complexity. And so some folks on you know social media, Sarah Tippy for one, um, Doc Hogan, they were like, you need an acronym, you need an acronym. They just kept on going. So I'm like, okay, let me see. And what I didn't know was that Mind Clash Games apparently has like a, are we gonna are we gonna do retail or are we not gonna do retail kind of like back and forth thing going on? So there was one hot second where they had the essential edition on Game Nerds, which is one of my favorite stores. They had a deal on it. So I'm like, okay. It's 27 bucks or whatever. I, I pull the trigger on Essential Edition. Now, I don't know what other folks think of when they hear the term Essential Edition. To me, Essential Edition is, oh, everything you need is in the box. Uh, that might be it. And as it turned out, it, it meant the opposite. Um, apparently, Essential Edition for anachrony means the, the full game is so expensive and so huge and it's got so many things that it's very hard to sell at retail. So we made a stripped down version where we don't have the fun little, you know, stompy miniatures and we just like had these flat discs and, and you can play the game, but you're not going to. And when I found that out, I'm like, oh man. So then the following day I had to go and I had to like add on another 30 bucks to get the miniatures. And then John Albertson, who works with David Turchi, Turchi? Um, who is the designer of the game, obviously, uh, on social media, he goes, and you're going to get Fractures of Time expansion, right? Because you can't just deal with the original Chronobot AI. You have to do the Chronosis, the, the, the best version. And I'm like, well, no, I wasn't planning to get the Fractures of Time AI because I thought that's another 30 bucks. And then he goes, okay, I just talked to so-and-so at Mind Clash Games. Give them your mailing information. They'll, they'll mail you a copy of Fractures of Time. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that was... That was kind of a cool experience, you know? And so now I have all three of those boxes on, literally just plopped on my table, waiting for me to have the, 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 the courage, the intestinal fortitude to start learning this, this very complex game. And <laughs> you're just a couple, uh, a, month or, a month or two late because I, uh, I actually moved on from my Infinity box. Uh, I, and you could have just, you could have had it right down the street. It could have been yours, but instead it's not, now it's gone. Now it's off in uh, Seattle. See, you, you keep saying that, but then you just kind of taunt me with it. You tantalize me with all these things. Here, Martin, you could have had this, but no, no you, you were just a little too late. Yeah, like well, you know, you know, it's interesting. So uh, I've said this a couple of times. So the Anachrony is a good, is a good game. It, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a lot. You, you, if you get the infinity box, you're never, you're never going to run out of stuff and that, and that thing. I moved on from it because as we were talking about before we started, I have a lot of big box games showing up. And as Martin knows, for those who live in California, we don't get a lot of space for whatever money that we have for a house or apartment. It is much smaller than most places. So this game right here, Dwellings of Elderville showed up, hence the, you know, the other stompy monsters that roar at you. And it retired it for me. I realized I'm not going to play Anachrony that much. And I don't have almost nothing bad to say about that game, but between Merchant's Cove, which is one of the best Euro games that you will ever play, I think, um, okay. with a great solo, a great solo. Oh, man, the solo's great. Uh, so between that and then Ping Yao, which I got coming later this year, and Dwellings, I'm just... It's not going to come out that much. And if I'm going to have a box that is, I could fit all, 
my dog and all of Martin's dogs in there and still have space for Michael to climb in too, I got to be able to pull it out a lot. So it, it, it moved on, but they were right. The Chronosis is way better than the Chronobot and the Stompy Mechs are necessary. And the Fractures in Time out of all of the different uh, expansions for it, that's the best one. Mm. So you now kind of have the essentials. Now, if you can just print and play yourself a box to fit it perfectly, you'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the one thing I'm really horrible at is doing boxes for my print and play games. So people have actually laughed at them. So I'm not, I don't think I'll be doing that. <laughs> just get, maybe get a 3D printer and start 3D printing boxes. Oh, don't get me started on that. Do you have People a 3D printer? Because you need a 3D I printer. I need I, I need organizers printed for my game. So if you could get a 3D printer and start doing that. <laughs> so, so, William, not only do you taunt me with games I could have had from you, but now you want me to do work so that you can continue to taunt me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Michael, you want to get into all the taunting? That, that, you know. <laughs> I know nothing about anachrony, unfortunately. I've not played it. Martin, um, Martin's the Martin's the man that gets them. <laughs> I uh, I get the war games tend to, but the, that I I've seen it. I've I've looked at it. It looks pretty cool, but uh, I've not had a chance to play it, so I didn't have anything to offer there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't played it yet either. <laughs> right, so now, so as we talk about Martin making everything, that's kind of leading us into uh, it's just more of a of a Martin pushed uh, topic for today. We're talking about fan made content. And whether that be player age, whether that be actual game content, whether it be solo modes, all of the, the, those kinds of things. So the first the big question to start with is what kind of fan made stuff for board games do you partake in? You know, that do you enjoy using for, for me, uh, player aids or preferably when someone has taken five pages worth of rules and then condensed it down into one page. It's like, no, this is, this is the essentials, the essential additions for the rule book. Those are usually the things that I'm, I'm right to, and I'm downloading immediately. How about you? Martin, you probably have a lot more to say about this than I do. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, um, I am a huge fan. Okay. So Michael and I are both, um, instructional designers in real life um and all, I, it looks like all three of us are in the teaching profession in one way or the other which is awesome and and so we're very and let me just say the week's not over i appreciate you guys because this is teacher appreciation week oh thank you i appreciate you too we appreciate you too <laughs> um so we're super picky about rules and i am famously very poor at acquiring, you know, how to play a game from most of the rule books that are out there. So I have a lot of opinions <laughs> about rules. So I do a lot of, like, a lot of rules are missing things for me. Like, you know, they should have that one pager and they don't. Um, they should have an icon summary and they don't. They should have this and that. And so I end up making those things if they don't already exist, or if I don't like what's already out there, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm, I, I, in my conceit, I, I make my own version. So I've put a whole lot of like rule summaries and one page or like, I like them to fit on a card. Um, so I, I do a lot of those too. And then I do play mats. I've uh, probably uploaded, I don't know, something like 10 different play mats now. 
um, custom play mats for different like games, like Agent Decker or whatever it is. And I like all of my play mats to have the rule summary and the turn sequence printed on the play mat, because to me, that's the ideal situation since I hate to like have to go and paw through the rules and like, how do I do this thing? Well, and it takes me out of the game. If it's right in front of my face on the play mat, then that's a better experience for me. So I've made custom like player aid guides. I've made play mats. And I've made a couple of um, solo modes. So I did one for, there's a game by Eric Lang, who's apparently, you know, a, quite a controversial figure nowadays because of, he's been very outspoken, but I love his designs. He's, I think his designs are very clean, very neat, very straightforward. I love Marvel United, what they do with that. Um, so anyway, he's got a game called Godfather uh, Corleone's Empire. I believe, which is a worker placement, a medium weight worker placement game set in New York City. And you're one of the five mafia families. And it's the only game I know where you can actually perform drive-by shootings. And then you take the miniatures of the other families, you know, they're, they're thugs that you shot and you actually put them in the East River. Like they're literally lying down. They, they sleep with the fishes. I, this is amazing to me. But but it didn't I'm going to be able mode. to tell you another one. Uh -huh. Okay, great. But 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 it didn't have a solo mode. So I I went and I made one. And um, this this is a thing that uh, actually got a lot of play testing. Um, you know, like four or five people like tried it out and they, they gave me feedback and we we tightened it up. And it, it's it's I'm still very proud of it. And then I made a couple of other ones for which I'm not proud of it all and and are super random and don't work um so i'm not i wouldn't consider myself uh, uh very good at at making solo modes but you know um I, I do have at least one that i can point to and say i made that and <laughs> i like it um yeah so yeah uh i'm all about fan-made content and i'm all about print and play games and i'm a huge booster and proponent of those types of things and i think one of your questions was should should publishers and designers promote fan-made content well, hold Absolutely. on hold on hold on that's oh. later that's later we got to give okay. michael a chance to talk we, he, he, he'll talk <laughs> i mean for those you, of you who are listening but michael's not even here anymore he's just a skeleton yeah <laughs> pretty much i'm an observer yeah don't pay attention <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't I really even get it. No, no, it's okay. I, I really don't have too much to add there. I mean, Martin is the wizard when it comes to that kind of thing. For me, it's, uh, you know, I'm an aficionado of Photoshop. So if I run across a war game or some other game that I really like that I think could stand something a little more in visually interesting, I'll do something. Like I did a display map for a game called A Wing and a Prayer that's like a squadron organization sheet. And I made it look like hangers and taxiways and things like that to make it look a little more visually interesting rather than just a blah and here's a line and you know this is where you put these guys and this is where, yeah i made it a little more interesting at least to me then i did a bomber for america bomber actually that's on board game Geek file section that's one game i tried to get sent to you martin it's probably a little easier to play that one than uh interceptor race but i uh it's a flying wing bomber that the germans fortunately never built and i had a lot of fun putting that together Lately, there's a game called Healthy Heart Hospital from BPG that I love because I was a paramedic for many years, many years ago. <laughs> and uh, I Scrubs is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So I started retheming it. And I thought, you know, as I'm doing this, I thought, Matt, Martin would be proud of me doing this. <laughs> I actually have a cardstock, but I never finished it. I mean, I did the photoshops. I've got them up here. I've got all the characters in different, uh, uh, or different cards. 
you know, and uh, I'm, I'm, this is the kind of level that I'm at where I'm happy with what I've done. And I'm like, no, I'm nowhere near Martin's level. So I'm like, I, I've made a contribution. I just kind of need to fall through with this one. <laughs> but I've done a little bit here and there. And it's, it's, it's enjoyable. But actually, the act of printing it, that's just resources and time that I just don't take. You know, it, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, I don't think that the better half would appreciate that either. <laughs> I wish I had some leeway there. Um, I'd probably buy a 3D printer in a heartbeat, but, you know. Anyway, it, 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 it's the cutting of the cards that I just, I despise so much. Yeah, I probably use scissors. I'd mess it up somehow. But um, if only one of us had put some tutorial videos out there where you could do that efficiently. I don't know. That's a shame. No one's done that. Yeah, the dogs um, agree. <laughs> yeah, so so we 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 kind of naturally shifted into the the next part of which you know have have you ever made anything? And um, I I've done very very little, but my one of my games of the year from last year is a game called Court of Miracles from Lucky Duck Games. And it started out as, I made a, a, a bot for it. And it started out as a, the game just is better with at least three. And it's very hard to get three people to play games right now. We're, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there. But, you know, the middle of the pandemic. And so I came with a bot. And I was like, well, that's fast and easy. Because I like my... AI is just fast, like just go. I don't, I don't need a flow chart, just get it done. And so I came up with one that I thought worked okay. And I went through four iterations, but now it's actually to the point to where I've actually played this five person game now by myself with five different bots. So I'm very happy about it. And what is makes me most happy about it is the, is Lucky Duck has actually approved of it. Like it's not in the game. But apparently, supposedly, they're going to actually put together like a PDF with like some art and stuff on it at some point, which I thought was the coolest thing I ever heard. But I bring that one up, Martin, because that game, when you get new workers, you take the old ones and you throw them in the send. Like that's where the dead workers go because it's about you know this uh, kind of Dickensian nice. Paris. You know, just, you're all these beggars, and you know you're trying to area control and stuff, and you can one of the locations you can go to when you go there, you draw a new worker out of the bag that has different powers than what you started with. And then you pick one that you don't like and you throw it in the sand. So, <laughs> That's great. So you, you might have to, and that, that game is fantastic. Like just, if you're, if you're okay with, you know, being a little bit mean, great one for the family. I, I definitely recommend that. Um, and I'm also been working on a solo mode for Coloma. Now Coloma has a solo mode that it works by the inimitable David Turtsey. It's not the solo mode that I particularly like. I don't like it because it doesn't feel like the bot that I'm playing is another player. It's a very challenging bot. And it, again, it works. And there are people who with different kind of brains than I have that really enjoy it. But for me, it doesn't feel like another player. You know, it's very predictable in what it's going to do. Whereas I like, I like chaos in my games. So I like playing, you know, I like it when someone's going to make a choice that maybe isn't, well, obviously this is the choice because, you know, by keeping me, you know, it keeps you off balance kind of has that thing. Cause in Coloma, there's a lot of predicting what the other people are going to do, because if more than one person goes to the same space, that action gets worse. It's, you know, it calls a boom or bust, whatever of the six, five spaces, the most people go to a little thing slides around and you only get half of the actions on there. So part of the game is this idea of, well, 
I know that Martin needs to go here and I know Michael needs to go here. But of course, Michael and Martin know that I know this and I know that they know that I know this. So you start kind of getting into that loop and then invariably people make choices that aren't the obvious right choice because I know that you know and you know that I know that I know. We're a knowledgeable family here. So let's figure out. And so I tried to just kind of recreate. That's why I'm still working on it. Um, I actually was able to get into the hands of... uh, the designer of the game and he, he's kind of looking at it. he gave me some some ideas but That's awesome for me it's a lot of work and i only want to do that if i really really like the game like and if i think i can do it because i would make one for the game Guildmaster, another euro game which is great in a heartbeat but i am not smart enough to figure that one out yeah you that i'm not smart enough thank game. you i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> i agree you are not smart enough <laughs> no, no, no. Agree that you have to be inspired by the games when I met. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just has to come out for, for me from a, I want to play this game more than I can because I don't have enough friends in my life. You know, like I, I want to get it out there um, more and more. And I will say the only good thing I think to come out of, uh, of the pandemic is a much more of a rise in good solo modes being added to games. Like when you go to Kickstarter, it used to be a lot of solo modes that were very clearly half-baked or just thrown in to get Martin to back it. You know? yeah. um, and, and I don't know if you know uh, Mark Dainty uh, from Not Board Gaming. You know, he talks mm-hmm. about the same thing. Um, you know, A lot of times it's just kind of thrown in there to get the solo gamers to, to buy it and it's, it's you know, hot garbage. But more and more of them, they feel like they are good. You know, I mean, David Turtsy's always making stuff. Uh, Drake Villarreal, who does uh, does the Merchant's Cove one, does very good solo modes, and they're a lot busier nowadays, and they're they're doing a lot more, which I think is fantastic. Then along with that, also the everyone now they got to have it up on Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia, which say what you want about playing those, it's not nearly as fun, but it's allowing us to, you know to actually play with each other. So those those are the two 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 good things that kind of come out of this. But mostly for you guys, you guys probably got a lot more stuff to talk about lately. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we we had Drake on the on the show a few episodes back, and he, you know, he, one of the things he mentioned, which was very um, interesting to me, was that solo modes are becoming, like you said, busier and a lot more interesting and a lot more like interactive, but also a lot easier to operate, which is good news for me, right? Because, um, I, you know, I, you know, like I said, famously bad with rules and whatever. So the easier it is to operate a solo mode the better and this which is why i've enjoyed games like uh, uh dune imperium or uh lost rooms of arnak because they are ai decks right and it's like well what, what is the so what is the solo ai going to do on its turn flip the card read what's on the card with the icons and then do that and and that is great for me and drake has was saying that a lot of a lot of modes are going that way david turchie's you know kind of in the opposite direction, which he gives so, a lot of the time he gives you a big kind of decision tree. It's like, if this, then that, if this, and then that, which takes a little while to to kind of, you know, grok. But then once you have your head wrapped around it, it seems very intuitive. So yeah, all of which to say that I, I am very, I, I too am uh, encouraged by these, you know, these solo modes that are coming out that are, you know, deeper, and more fun, but also easier to operate, like that. Any thoughts, Michael? Or no? I mean, I'm 
at heart, I'm kind of biased against multiplayer games that have a solo mode on them, just because I, like I said earlier, I played multiplayer games solo for so long, I've just got so used to it that I was able to effectively, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, <laughs> funny, I used to be a technical writer. I can't remember what the word is. Um, I, I, just kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of split, kind of split your brain and just yeah, kind of actually play right. both sides. Focus and... on the lane I need to be in in order to play this side, and then like. Axis and allies, for instance. I don't know if you know what that is, but if I play the British, I need to play them the way the best way for them, and the Germans, I need to play the best way for them, and et cetera. And that makes for a really good experience. And a lot of games that we see now, I and we talk about this sometimes. It for me, sometimes it feels like the solo modes just kind of tacked on, and we kind of mentioned that a second ago as an afterthought because of wanting to have that appeal for solo gamers and being hot garbage as she said <laughs> i find it that way a lot and if it's if it's a solo game that's got multiplayer as a possibility that's fine i don't have a problem with that but multiplayer with a solo mode tacked on i don't really like that kind of thing um co-op games i think are pretty good just because generally speaking you're all going for the same goal so you can play all the roles you know speaking of the board game that we have for the topic today <laughs> um yeah so that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have a follow-up question for Michael, if, if I may be allowed, yeah. sir, to interlocute. Um, Michael, when you are playing both sides in a multiplayer game, do you find yourself identifying as one side is me versus the other, is you versus the other? And, and if so, then how do you resolve situations where you're playing the other side, but you have the knowledge of your side, and then you have to pretend that you don't know that knowledge so that you you don't make a decision that you know favors you quote unquote does that make right. sense yeah it does i mean some games have hidden information to them and to me that's impossible to play solo unless you're just trying to learn the game and you want to play it just so you get it down so you can play it with other people wow. say the the whole i have to chop some of this out because i'm kind of blabbing now <laughs> no, blab away yeah i'm sorry martin what was the question again I'm sorry. Yeah, he's asking the um, are you able to? How are you able to kind of not? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Cheat, yeah, right. cheat against yourself because you know you 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 are the British, and you know yeah, you're right. also playing exactly. the others. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. So it's just a matter. Of, see, I look at it like a story sometimes, and in fact, any board games I buy, I tend to think of them in terms of okay. Would this make a good story for an AAR or an after action report, say a playthrough doing an article on that or videos more rarely. I don't really do those a lot. I do more writing than I do video taking. I try to think in terms of that. So if I think that the British are going to do one thing, what would the Germans do in reaction? I mean, some games are more simpler, like Axis and Allies. It's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of choices to make when you think about it. It's a good way to think of different strategies and try new things that might surprise you, even when you're playing it off the cuff, like different sides it's like well i'm going to do this as the japanese now what are the americans going to do oh that's interesting what do i do now <laughs> kind of a thing so I, I just kind of push that aside if that makes sense and i just focus on the situation for that player or that side and and play it to the best of my ability and try to think of it like i said in terms of a narrative or a story as the this is what happens now what's the next step it's going to be the next player's turn they're going to do their thing too I don't know if I make sense or not. It's it's more 
yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really good at <laughs> being able to divide my, my thought process up into different players. But again, yep. I don't play a lot of those games anymore. I, I had a few, I've gotten rid of quite a few of them in the last few months, actually, but uh, most of what I have here now are solo or co-op type games. And it's very easy to, of course, play by yourself that way. <laughs> and even then the narrative comes out in the solo experience because you think, in, I think in terms of the other side and what they're doing, and uh, it, it kind of writes itself as almost like a, a history in my head. Yeah, and I've actually, it, I mean, it's a skill. It, it's a skill to be able to do that. I've actually gotten pretty good at doing that also. And one of my other jobs, I'm also a, a stage actor. And, you know, the theater <laughs> or performance, we call it, you know, being in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. stay in the moment. And so when I'm playing, if I'm playing two or sometimes three, different different hands that's in a competitive game it becomes a you know we'll stay in this moment this is what i have what what am i trying to do what is the best reaction i can make in this moment and i do a very good job of forgetting what the cards are that i just looked at like even though i'm just playing myself i do a very good job of forgetting what's in my hand so it's kind of able to go through like like that i mean there are definitely times when it's like well I know that I'm influencing because I know what everything is around the board, but it's one of those things if you're kind of honest with yourself, like, you like, what, why are you doing this? If you're doing it so you can win, well, then you are going to win. But if you're right. doing it to kind of experience this, the game to kind of you know, figure out how it works, like you're trying to teach somebody or gosh, I just really wish I could play this with three. Then if you can keep honest about that, then, you know, it, 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 it works pretty well. It also helps that I've gotten to the point where I, I don't, I don't care too much if I win most games anymore, especially when it's, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you get a, you, you, you know, you're like a dog with a, with a, well, I say with a bone, like dog didn't care about bones, um, <laughs> dog with a treat, right? Sometimes with the most part, yeah. Okay. I lost. It's just the fun of playing the game because, right. You know, that's, that, that that's the challenge. Um, and it's right. always to me so often you know, if Martin comes through and he makes a great play at the end, that's that's awesome that he did that. And I, and I will hate him forever that he did that. <laughs> he won at the end, but it was pretty impressive. Right. It's it's certain when you're writing a narrative in your own head that you want it to go a certain way. I mean, you've got biases yourself to a certain story. You want the good guys to win. You want this to happen, you know, this kind of thing. And it's the way you do it. And it's funny you mentioned acting because I do that too. And Martin has done that as well, stage stuff. Um, I've actually got a movie on Amazon Prime right now, which I do not recommend. So don't go looking for it. Uh, it's well, I shouldn't say that. If, if the director ever heard me say that, he'd probably get mad. It's uh, it, it, anyway, we're not talking about movies. <laughs> uh, but it, as an actor, you're you're able to to do that. You, you can put put yourself into that character. That's a really good point that you made, and I didn't even think of that. The last show I was in was just a year and a half ago, Arsenic and Old Lace, and I played two characters. So I had to do that you know, that split personality thing. I've got one guy I'm totally playing one way and another guy I'm totally playing the other way. And it's just kind of natural at, at a certain point, so. You guys, we're all educators and we're all actors. I mean, acting. Um, so one of the things that, that I, which kept me away from fan-made stuff for a very long time is there is a bit of a negative connotation to it. Kind of like with, with fan fiction, because a lot of it's not good. Like there's a lot, of just not good, like, well, Martin, you were talking about, and you didn't actually talk about a lot, but in the notes you put, you made a solo mode for a War of the Worlds game that, that you said is just garbage. Yeah, but, it's horrible. <laughs> but, but you know, I don't know if it's on BGG, but it could be on BGG. Um, yeah, it's there. 
Yeah, see, it's, it's still there. Like, you know, you know it's not good, but you know, you're just going to leave it there. You're going to leave it there. So how do you guys think publishers and designers should react to fan-made stuff? Because there's kind of a line of saying, oh, everybody, you know, this is a, there's fan-made stuff. Go check it out because it might not be balanced. It might not work. It There's all these things in there. So it's kind of a, I want to say a slippery slope of, because if you start promoting one thing, does that mean you need to also start promoting other people's? So now are you just, how does that work? And, and what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so yeah, I do have some thoughts on that. Um, so first of all, like anything, uh, there are people with a track record. Um, so for example, Mark Outen, uh, a friend of ours from uh, the Solo Board Gamers Group, well, just the solo gaming community. Um, he is uh, at Duke Fan Blue on uh, Board Game Geek. And um, and he has made some really, really good um, solo AIs for some games. So for example, there's a game that I like called Parks, which is a very light worker placement game with a very kind of restful, calming, you know, kind of national park theme. And it has an onboard solo mode, which is a beat your own score, which is okay. But then I tried, Mark just devised this um, Ranger Ron Otama with a, you know, with a personality and, uh, and a deck and extra components that you have to print out. And it just blows the onboard, uh, the, the built-in, you know, uh, solo, build, uh, beat your own score solo out of the water. And so I, that was my first experience with this stuff. And so then he made one for another game called Fun Fair, which is a light tableau builder in an amusement park theme. Um, and again, his Otomo is good, you know? So you, you, it's, it's like anything. It's like you have favorite authors and you have favorite, you know, uh, directors and you have favorite uh, actors. And you also <laughs> start to develop favorite, you know, makers of uh, fan-made Otoma. And then when they knew so when they do something new, the, you pay attention. Um, Another one I'll mention is the guy called the Mountain Gamer. Uh, so he's not a hungry gamer. He's a mountain gamer because uh, I think he lives in the mountains. His name is Steve Leonard. And um, he actually like doesn't really document his solo modes. He just makes videos on them and then teaches you through the video. And so he made one for one of my favorite deck building games called Arctic Scavengers, which famously has a horrible solo mode uh, by the, uh, and by the way, most multiplayer designers should not even try to make solo modes because they aren't committed to solo games and they're not good at it. So um, Steve Leonard takes, you know, hey, he likes all Arctic Scavengers too. So, and it's not a very well-known game. So I'm like, okay, that's one point of, he and I are aligned and he makes a solo mode and it's a great one uh, in my opinion. So those types of things, yeah, those are my thoughts on that where if you're a publisher, if you're, you know, someone out there, like, you know, get into the world, get, know who the players are, try their stuff, see if you like it. And then if you do, then give them a shot and listen to them the next time they put something out there. I think it's good and important to have that kind of support from the board gaming public. You uh, should encourage it as long as people aren't making money off of it, as long as they're not creating bootleg versions of your games and selling them, which I hear horror stories occasionally happen. But for the most part, I really hear that kind of thing. So I think it's great that Board Game Geek actually encourages that. And it's even better when a publisher gets behind that kind of thing, gets really excited and also even promotes that kind of material once in a while. So I think that's encouraging to people with creative minds to be able to do things like that. I think it's a tougher situation for a publisher than I think most of us realize because you don't want to alienate a community. And 
So for example, well, like I said, I, I don't like the solo for um, that exists for Coloma. I, I just don't like it. And then as a, but I, I, I suspect a lot of people do. So if that was a fan made solo that's out there and all these people think it's great. And I'm as a publisher, if I don't think it's, I don't think it's the game. I don't think it works. And now I'm saying, don't like it, you know. I have to respond because to all because everyone's clamoring about this solo mode. So I have to respond to this. You know, we don't think it works, which maybe you have to start responding if you know the you've been praising the Martin G solo mode for your War of the Worlds game, and you put it out there how great this is, and it's the, how games should be done. Are you then kind of opening up yourself for people to say, well, oh, you're looking at this. Well, you got to see this one too, and then that becomes an added workload because then you got to either you're just going to say, oh, yeah, check it out, solo mode, see if you like it. In which case, someone, what if that's someone's first experience with the game? Is your War of the World solo mode? They're never, they might never want to play that game again. So I, I, think there's a, I think there's more to it than, and I hadn't thought about it until just, you know, you guys talking about it right now. I think perhaps there's more to it than, than we think about, which is probably why more publishers aren't talking about solo modes that, that are being made and promoting them and pushing them out there beyond probably just being happy that people are making them. And there's a place like BGG where they exist because that's going to get people checking stuff out. Cause as long as it's not an official mode, it's not a commentary on their game. And if they are tweeting about it or whatever, even though it's not an official mode, it's getting kind of their stamp of approval, which kind of, you know, we, we know how, how much we don't actually read things that we see, you know, uh, so I don't know. It's a kind of an interesting thought. I hope anybody watching, is, listening, you know, drop us some comments on what you think about that. Yeah, and, and so one of my favorite episodes of the previous incarnation of Solosaurus was when Brandon and Carter talked about Root, which is a game that I haven't played actually, and I don't own. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was a fascinating episode to me because they were talking about Root. Uh, designed by Cole Worley, I believe is the the, the brothers, right? The Worley gig um, outfit, and um, I, I think that I think they, it's just Cole for Root. I think is it Cole, and 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 they had he had devised a solo mode called the Mechanical Marquise, right? Um, which was okay, but then a fan made um, solo mode called the oh, Better Bot Project, the Better Bot Project, right? Which I think it's kind of like an open source project where a lot of folks were involved and, you know, you know, kind of like Linux, maybe uh, for 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 solo modes. Yeah. Eventually, they adopted the better bot as the official solo mode. And so there was a kind of like a, one of the few instances where the publisher recognized and the designer recognized they've done a better job than we have. And we should take that work and incorporate it. And it's also not coincidentally, I think, why one of the reasons why there is such a great fan relationship between Cole Whirly, Whirly Gig, and you know the fans of their games um, because they listen. You know, whereas and then kind of connected to a thing we were talking about earlier, which is a lot of the times these Kickstarters go on, you know, and it's like it's good. It supports one to four players, one to five players, you know, and that oh by the way the solo mode is to come. Oh, which is already the first red flag. It's like, oh, you weren't considering it from the get-go, from the jump? Then uh, I'm already, you know, a little bit skeptical. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, so, you know, and it's not, I'll relate that to yet another thing, which is 
you know, maybe the pandemic is bringing it to the foreground, but in general, you know, solo modes have been an afterthought, you know, and multi, the, the, the designing the multiplayer game and the multiplayer audience is historically, you know, much more prominent, much bigger and so on and so forth. So I just think that it's part of the current trend where there's more focus being placed on the solo gaming community. And now that there's more necessity for solo gaming to happen. And so I hope that there's also more focus and emphasis being placed on um, better quality solo modes, what makes a better solo mode. Um, and I hope that publishers and designers are more willing to listen like Cole Worley. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the way that whole route thing went, you know, happened, I think it's just fantastic. And then, you know, they, they, they brought the guy on, I think, to, you know, help develop new ones too. I, I think, I, I'm not totally sure. And I mean, it's funny, like, I, I just imagine, like, how many people is that? Is that now the dream? Like, I'm making a solo mode, they're going to take it, they're going to bring me on, then I'm going to be the next big thing. Like, uh, you know, even to the point, like, I talk about working on this, this Coloma one, you know, I I do actually have it in the hands of the designer, because, you know, because he's a buddy of mine now. In it could be, if they do another printing, maybe they put it, you know, it's just not why I did it. Like, I did mm -hmm. it because I like the game, but, but, like, in my head, like, well, wait a minute happened for the better bot project and wait a minute lucky doug approved of my other one wait a minute maybe this is my my calling it's not um <laughs> <laughs> don't cut um, yourself out buddy <laughs> yeah well i think about it because of the root root, root is, a, is a fun game i actually prefer vast to root mm -hmm. um the vast mysterious manner specifically uh it just it's just more my style it's more condensed it feels a little faster you're controlling a character or maybe if you're the skeletons you know five different skeletons that are running around and i keep thinking about that one I'm like gosh I, I wish i could come up with a like a better bot project for that but then i think about it and just the amount of complexity in those games and the amount of inspiration i have no idea who made came with a better bot project i wish i knew it knew his or her name that went into figuring out a way to make this work is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like the one, the ones I did, it involves rolling a couple dice. <laughs> like you roll a few dice and the thing happens and it tells you what happens. And there's like four bullet points on a couple says, well, you do this, this can't be done. You do this, you know, that's it. But these things are just pages of stuff to go and take this amazingly complex game and create basically another person out there playing against which to me is my side that's my favorite kind of solo mode the one that i can also put it in a game of you know mm -hmm. with two of us or three of us and now we have a three or four player game to me that that's the best kind of solo mode for me because i i, I play a lot of games with other people also and i actually do competitive games and stuff which uh, most of my reviewer friends they, they're like one-stop co-op shop and only solo stuff. And I'll be talking about, oh, this game is great. Like, what is it? I'll tell them, oh, that's competitive. That, no, we don't care about that. I'm like, well, you just go away. <laughs> but, but so so for me, I think that that's what's, what's the, the, the most exciting. And I think the way that to kind of wrap around to what we're talking about, fan-made content, that's what's exciting about it for me. And it's changing my own perception of fan-made content because there are things like the Better Bot Project there are, well, like uh, Ricky Royal did a good solo mode for Cosmic Frog, which is an amazing game. You have to play it sometime. Um, it's, not, it, it's not as good solo, but it works. It's enjoyable solo. That, that's a game that's all about having a lot of people and a lot of chaos, but great game. But 
I will now, if I, if I have to pick up another game and I see he has a solo, I will download it and I will try it, you know, because those things are out there and it's not all, you know, garbage fanfic that you have out right. there, you know, which yeah. I think is also part of the kind of the growth of the industry that you were talking about. You know, there's more and more people doing solo. Like us nerds are smart sometimes and we can make good stuff, um, <laughs> which I think is, is delightful. Now we've talked all about all this, all this stuff to get to what we really here for. Mm-hmm. And we chased Michael away from talking about <laughs> heroes, Tennifer and everybody I'm moving from earlier right now. You can hear what Michael's kind of thoughts on, on it were. It'll just kind of be popped in there. So if it's an odd cut that that's why. And we all know the real reason Michael left was because Martin didn't actually send him the game until the last second. And he waited and the game showed up last night for Michael and he had to play it all night long to maybe be able to talk about this because Martin's had it for like six weeks and then he finally sent it. But what is Heroes of Tenefer? Give us a quick, quick, quick rundown. Um, so Heroes of Tenefer is a cooperative or soloable uh, deck building game um, with a fantasy theme and essentially you pull together your party of adventurers i believe in the base box you have four options you've got the thief the cleric the barbarian and the uh, i'm missing one thief cleric barbarian and one other kind of uh, heroic I, 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 archetype just a war i don't hold on i got the box right here behind me <laughs> anyway you've got these like you know kind of dungeons and dragons z character archetypes very simple ones um, and you each start with the same the bard. Kind of, the bard, there you go. Of course I would forget the bard because nobody ever wants to play the bard. <laughs> and um, you each start with your own, uh, essentially the same deck of low level cards and then one kind of special ability card, um, which kind of defines you as the character, only the, the only thing that you can do. And then what's cool about it is for setup, um, the uh, the dungeons and the monsters are um, separated into levels. So there's a level one dungeon, level two, level three, level four, level five, and then there's f- a selection of different bosses, and you choose one for each game, and then you you know kind of set that aside for later on if you ever get there. Well, well actually, you will get there, but will you be able to? Will you be powerful enough to take them on? That's kind of like the the big question mark there. Probably not. Probably not. You always lose. And then the other cool thing about this game and setup is um, you give yourself two different dungeon choices per level, and then you flip the top card over, and then based on that, you're like, hmm, you now get to choose like which one to go into, and it's like, well, should I do that or that? So, so yeah, so that's basically it. And then um, every turn, each character will draw a hand of three cards. It's always three cards. And then the other cool thing about this game, and by the way, I really have to thank you for introducing it to me. It was at your urging you know, that I, because that I, I've known about this game for a really long time. Like the, the uh, designer had shown up in the print and play community before it was even a thing. And he's like, hey, you know, want to try out my game. And I didn't, uh, which is weird. Um, so it's kind of like a- I think know, that's from, the, the only game that's ever existed. That's almost, I have a print and play. Anybody willing to try it that you're like, nah. Yeah, it was a long time ago years literally but um it's kind of, so kind of a weird coming back around for me but what's the other cool thing just to finish the thought is when you get your hand of three cards 
and you're looking at the monster and you need you're looking at the the, the amount of damage you need to be able to uh do to to defeat that monster you have a choice of do i keep this hand in which case i have to play it or do i discard it and then draw another hand of three and the, the, so I love just like the, the the tension there and the push your luck element where it's like, okay, yeah, because I, I didn't get a hand of three cards, so I'll, I'll discard those and then I'll draw. But but in doing so, you are now diminishing the number of cards in your deck to be able to go in deeper into the rest of the dungeon. So I love that kind of game design where there's so much player agency, but there's also like really tough consequences to deal for, for your decisions, which is to me, the essence of great game design is there always have to be tough choices and don't go easy on your players. Give them, give them consequences they need to deal with. Gosh, darn it. Um, so and, and a lot the of these that, that happens games, uh, yeah. with the d- reducing of your deck for the people watching, listening, you haven't played it is each dungeon has four monsters in it. And if you get to the bottom of it, you get a reward. In addition to every time you beat a monster, that monster goes into your deck and you spin the card around and it becomes, it improves your deck. So you don't buy cards, you you kill things and absorb their power, I guess. Very, very creepy. Um, <laughs> but every time you fail to win because you've run out of cards, the boss gets two steps closer to you. But if you just right. leave the dungeon on your own, you're like, mm, I'm going to go take a nap now. It only comes one step closer. But then, of yeah. course, you're going to have to go back into that dungeon to defeat it. So that the, the, everything about the game is push your luck style. And the only thing that I, that I want to call out is there is a it does come with a solo mode in the game itself. There's two ways to do it. You can just play multi-handed like you're playing with other people. Or you can put two heroes together into one uber hero, <laughs> which I love playing mm-hmm. that way. Because then you know you're you're the barbarian bard or whatever it, it well, actually I like a barbarian but that's actually a good combination, um, whatever it may be. And then you always act as both of them, and you only have one big thick deck. But of course, there's a consequence to that, like you were talking about, because a lot of the abilities that you get for defeating a dungeon will allow you to give cards to another player or call certain cards from your deck, and now suddenly those aren't as useful because there is no other player there is no other deck that, you, that you're messing around with and the kind of the last right. things so people can understand is as you're defeating monsters some monsters their ability that they give you is better for certain characters if you are the barbarian and you've killed an orc there i don't there aren't any orcs in the game but and you've killed whatever it is if you get that in your deck it will be a better card but moving on um and yeah. did, did you have a chance to to try out the expansion or no no, sadly, I did not. And I wanted to ask you, what does the expansion add? Because this game design feels so tight and so well put together and so compact. So I was wondering, what did the expansion just give you more class character classes? Uh, yeah, so the expansion know. gives you some more bosses, more mm-hmm. more classes, and a significantly a significant amount of the cards that are specific monsters, depending on what classes you're playing with. So you have more options of those to, to put in there. And all the, I think it's four new characters. All of them are ha, are just one step a little more complicated mm-hmm. where one of them is a, a, a cyber mage or something like that. And you're playing cards that are allowed you to take these little gear tokens or, or whatever it is that you're 
it's like it's like a steampunk thing i don't know and you're okay. allowed to take those onto your card and then you can use those at times to power up certain cards that you might draw so there's a little bit more complicated there's one that has a wolf that runs around with you and all of them are, are, are great fun they work well with the old ones but really what makes it work is it's all the extra cards that vary up the dungeons and mm -hmm. so now we because to me that that's a lot of fun if you're you're playing with you know your uh, the thief and the ranger well knowing that in those stacks our cards are specifically going to power you up makes you really want to go in there and it kind of defeats what to me was the weakest part of the original game is you play it enough and then you, you've kind of seen everything and you can right. kind of start predicting what's going to come out and it's much harder to do with, with the expansion. i think the expansion is getting that and out of the end that that is the absolute the, the way to go it really makes it fun this was my number four uh number four game of the, of the year last year yeah. with the expansion in there i, I think it just because it's so quick it's great but yeah um so get that expansion print that and then also i guess <laughs> print again the base game because you sent it away <laughs> or just buy it um got another browser tab here i mean you know We've already, I've already purchased half a dozen games and, you know. Good, good. Well, you know, <laughs> and I do, I really, it, uh, I recommend this one, one to a lot of, a lot of people, especially, I compare it to One Deck Dungeon. I don't know if you've played that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Love it. Um, which is another very good game, but it kind of depends on, and I also strongly recommend One Deck Dungeon. It's kind of a question of well, what's more interesting to you, push your luck mm -hmm. or dice, the a dice placement puzzle. So for my wife, it's the dice placement puzzle. My wife is a savant at one deck dungeon. I mean, we'll roll stuff and I'll, I'll say, well, I guess we're, we're, it's over. She's like, no, no, you be quiet. <laughs> and she'll solve it. Um, but for me, push your luck. It's much more interesting, quick. So it's kind of what's more interesting to you. Um, as, I, as I think we're where I kind of fall, fall down on that. Um, I also, every people are sick of me, every review I've done lately, when I talk about art that I like, there's something so whimsical about the art and uh heroes yeah. of tenfer yeah no you know? I, you're you're absolutely right um it, it reminds me of um my days playing basic dungeons and dragons so we go back to like the days of you know the 80s and and you yeah, know, well, first well, what's your thaco what's your thaco with my fake, oh yeah, I hated that. It's like you know, I was I was told there would not be any math. Um, in this. <laughs> well, that that is that is the biggest lie ever perpetuated <laughs> in the world. Oh no, it's just a game. There's no math. There is more math and it's games so mathy. <laughs> uh, it, 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 anything, anything in the world. Uh, I, I I was doing some role playing game stuff for for a while, and then I found that there was fantasy adventure dungeon crawl games and board games and i was like well, i can't even done with that but there I, I remember that there was a a, a system i want to say it's called like dungeon world or something like that where everything it truly there was like no math the most math you ever had to do was add three or four to a number and it was the greatest <laughs> thing i'd ever played so this is great it's so fast it's so easy but sorry you're talking about the the whimsicality of, of yeah the of art style reminds me of those old uh, illustrations um and i forget the names of the artists um but like uh, accompanying those old kind of like you know the 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 red it, you know ad and d second ed you know book or whatever it, it's got that that same kind of feel or if you've ever if you're familiar with the games of uh jason glover so i'm thinking about desolate or iron helm or gate he does all of his own art and it's all kind of throwback style to that 
that era, which is, I love, you know, because it, it gives that, that whole nostalgic feel of like, you know, being a nerd growing up in the 80s and playing Dungeons and Dragons and pushing your, you know, spe spectacles up the bridge of your nose and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I love the, I love the art style. And I will say this, I had been, and I have been on a quest, on a, on a mythical quest, if you will, for a great fantasy themed um, deck building game. Because I love deck building games. I love all stripe of deck building games. Um, and this, I will say, Heroes of Tenafir is not a traditional deck building game in that sense, which is probably one of its strengths, you know, yeah. and also accounts for one of the reasons why I didn't, I hadn't tried it for the longest time because it wasn't a traditional deck building game. So when, you know, when you think of like fantasy deck building games, you think of your, your, um, thunderstone thunderstone quest you think of your um oh what's the one with the dragons draconis invasion and all this other stuff and none of them are really any very good they're okay or mediocre actually in the case of original thunderstone it's boring as crap i mean <laughs> it is you know with all the i don't know if you ever played thunderstone it's like and you go in the dungeon and then now you have to calculate the darkness and light and it's all like you know advanced hieroglyphics I, I don't know so so then when i started playing this at your um you know request it, it was fast and it was fun and it was you know just it, it kept the tension up the whole way through and it you know like a great game design the difficulty would increase to match with as you you built up your deck and your character's powers increased as well, and you lost um, zero cards from your deck, you know what I mean, like worthless cards. Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm like, why why aren't more people raving about like you know because because you hear this sometimes on like the 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 board game groups it's like there's no good you know fantasy themed deck builder, but there is. This is this is one of them, <laughs> you know. And I, and I always say talk about this. There's another one out there that uh -huh. i think is if, if if i want if i ever do a list of most underrated games in my mind that this will be in the top three it's called a uh, uh, battle for Greyport. oh i have not played that same one. people who did the red dragon Inn, which i adore red dragon Inn. is it pure take that mean as a game can <laughs> be makes me very happy it makes me very happy because of the world they created with the characters the characters right. are fun they're funny but it's the same character, but it's a deck building style game, cooperative deck building, and it uses dice. So mm -hmm. you are getting, you have your character with some cards, and then the deck building is you use every turn, you have set amount of money. And it's like a three, three round game. Uh, in each turn, you have, you know, your brown, copper, silver, and gold coins, whatever. And it, you prescriptively, you know what you're going to have to spend every turn. And it has weapons and characters that you can recruit to come with you. So you, you build it that way. So that's somewhat traditional deck building style where you know, you're going to spend stuff to buy stuff, except it, it removes the whole, you have to buy money cards. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? You got to buy a oh, bunch yeah. of money cards. So you can get us, which for me is the least interesting part, thing, part about traditional deck building for me. I know a lot of people love it. So you know what you can buy. There's eight things out there that you can buy each turn. You know what's there. And then you use that and you're building up this troop that's going around fighting monsters that are out in these different locations. And you play a character, each character can play a weapon. And that tells you what kind of dice you get to roll to fight the monster. And you're, 
it's hard as can be, but another, and yet that one you can get relatively inexpensively because it wasn't, it wasn't hugely successful, but that's another one that it does takes deck building, flips it on its head a little bit and has that fantasy vibe to it, which, so you should try that one out too, or, you know, go, go get all your shots and, you know, I'll let you play it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, so, you know, I, I think, I, I think I'm with you. The reason why I like it so much is it's not, it takes out all the work of the building of the deck and makes it exciting to me. It's always exciting to get a new card because you're going to fight the Minotaur or the Sphinx or whatever it is that you're fighting. And especially when you know what's in the dungeon, you can see what's coming next and you know it's a great card, but you got to make that choice of, I might not be able to kill this thing, but God, I really want it. I really want that thing. So it's always exciting. And then I don't know if it's in the base game, but some of the bosses just make me laugh. There's one boss. I think it comes to the expansion. Thousands of goblins. That's the boss. And it just, instead of four cards, it's like eight cards. <laughs> and each one goes through it. It's just it's all these goblins everywhere. And you see, it, it, it helps build that kind of that, that narrative as you're thinking, well, goblins aren't a threat. We've watched movies or whatever it is, or you've played video games and the goblins come and just like slaughter them. But so the boss is, it's thousands of goblins. And it just, <laughs> it, it makes me, it makes me laugh. And each of the bosses are no joke hard. Right. I think for me, even when I've felt like I've crushed it and I've built up, I've never, I haven't lost a single round. I've always, you know, doing great. Luck's with me. I still sometimes lose mm -hmm. because they're just really challenging. And which will bring me to kind of my one complaint that I have as I've gone back playing it is there are definitely times when you can get to the end and you know, you are not going to win. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which that's true. You know, can be kind of a bummer, you know, the, uh, as you're playing, it's like, well, should I just stop now? Cause <laughs> I lost six well, times on the way here. Uh. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like, um, it, it, you know, as, as a long time like Call of Cthulhu, HP Lovecraft uh, gamer, you know, th there's a sense in which like the whole kind of fan final uh, fantasy flight Arkham files, you know, um, how they have diluted the the complete um, existential um, hopelessness of actually fighting against the old ones. And, and the idea of actually winning, I mean, that's not a thing. And, and, and Chaosium, when you were playing, like when I was playing back in, you know, in my, we understood that. You could go and spend months and do this campaign and realize that at the end of it, the only things that lie in your future are insanity, death, or worse. You know, and so when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, well, there's absolutely no chance. We've built up and we've gotten to the boss, but we're going to soldier on by gum and, and we're going to go valiantly to our deaths because that's what we do. And, and, and there's a certain nobility, it's stupid nobility in that. <laughs> because, because, what, because what if it goes right? Because what no, if? Like, you know, one what, in a million what if, what if you, do you throw your rock at the dragon and it happens to hit it in the eye and that makes it rear up yeah. and hit its head on the stalactite? Or stalagmite, I mean, whichever one comes down. <laughs> whichever one comes up who knows yeah but but yeah, yeah I mean, you know? it's funny talking about the, the cthulhu i i've not i'm not a huge cthulhu guy i've played call of cthulhu a couple of times i have some friends who are just really deep into it and years ago first time i ever played this game it's at a local convention the local to, to you and i 
um, small one of the Pacificon or Celesticon or one of those. And my buddy was running a game of Cthulhu. Call he was going to run a game. He had this compliment. Okay, so I'm going to play. And I'm kind of muddling through this thing, not really know what's going on. And people are doing what they're doing. I'm being a goober. And we find some book. We find a book, like, you know, bound in skin or something. And I said, let's burn it. <laughs> let's just burn it. Like, let's burn it. Don't so even try burn, to read it. Burn the book. Like, no, no, no. We can't do that. We need this. And I got outvoted. And every so often, I was like, "Can we burn the book now?" No, no, no. We can't do that. And then, of course, the thing. The portal opens because of the book and the thing, and people are dying. And we're on like a ship somewhere, like with a nuclear reactor. And the only way we survived is like they they set off the nuclear reactor and blew it all up. All okay. right. And at the end, and and I died horribly. I did, mm-hmm. of course. And at, one, at the end, I asked. I was like, my, my buddy Richard. I was like, so Richard, just out of curiosity. If we burned the book, what would have happened? He's like, I, I guess you won. <laughs> I guess you would have won if you burned the book because that they couldn't do the ritual without the book. Um, it would have been a lot less interesting, but you would have won. <laughs> yeah, right. And so but what I learned is if you're playing Cthulhu, burn all the books. Burn all the books. Absolutely. Actually, a couple of years later, played, played a game just on like Roll20 or something. And so I made a character whose name was Bernie McBurnface. <laughs> and that's all he did anything papery i just burned it um he also died horribly but he did not summon any demons is what i'm, is what, is what I'm getting at um anyhow i, I feel like we've we've now wrapped all of it up uh cl- clearly both of us are pretty high on heroes of tenifer which everyone yep. who knows me knows that but now future hungry gamer here this is where i'm dropping in michael's thoughts on heroes of tenifer like i said super awkward cut and there'll be another awkward cut coming back out of it. So enjoy that. I, I can tell you in two minutes, it's one of the most best deck building games I've played. I haven't played very many, as Martin will tell you about. I enjoyed the process of uh, putting it through its paces last night. And Martin, again, I appreciate you sending that to me. It, no it's going to be a good addition to my collection here. Martin G and Michael have said it's good too. So I mean, I will say this. I know Michael's not here, but uh, he didn't like Warp's Edge, which is a asterisk building game it's not a deck builder but it's a uh, bag builder a bag builder there you go and every other time uh that we've either reviewed or talked about Mm -hmm. any kind of game with that mechanism he's not about it and so for him for him to be have you know uh, positive you know things to say about a a deck building game is is huge from my perspective so a great um great suggestion for him as well And, and it really speaks to how as you said, this game kind of changes up the formula in smart ways, which uh, another one of my, well, my, you know, kind of famously, my favorite deck building game is called Aeon's End, um, you know, which is kind of like the 800 pound gorilla of deck building. I'm games. shaking my head. I'm shaking <laughs> my head for you if you're just listening so hard. <laughs> but one of the things that I think makes Aeon's End so good is that it uh kevin riley the designer really analyzed what were the weaknesses of you know deck building games that had come before it and then he actually made choices design choices in his uh to address those um and one of them is you know in, in if you're playing a traditional deck building game you kind of can't get around the fact that when you're starting out it's boring and because you can't do anything because your deck isn't built up yet you know, it's kind of part and parcel of the uh, of the design. Um, but 
heroes of Tenefer and Eon Zen kind of address this. Well, they, they, they take different ways to address it. And I'm obviously not going to go deep into how Eon Zen addresses it. But like I said, heroes of Tenefer addresses this by giving you splitting it up into dungeons with monsters that are appropriate for where your deck is, how built up your deck is at that point. And it's constantly pushing you to kind of like, I got to build up more or make crazy choices, seemingly crazy choices. Like I just finished a level one dungeon. Normally I should go to level two, but maybe I'll go to level three and see how that works out because that card on top there is showing me that I might have a chance, you know? So those those kinds of things, you know, and, and the fact that it's all up to you, there's a lot of, you know, there's a generous amount of player agency here, and it doesn't kind of like lock you into, you just finished level one, now you have to do level two, obviously, you know, so. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the push your luck just is everywhere, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, you want to go to level four, go for it. <laughs> you do you, boo, you do you. <laughs> and there's consequences for doing that, but that's, that's good too. You know, you, you, yeah. So I can't say enough good things about this. There's game a level design. of hope to it. Is not <laughs> like there's, you always have that hope. Yeah. I might be able to do that, which, <laughs> and I hadn't thought I hadn't put that in, but that's, that's what makes it exciting to me is that maybe I could, because it should, it gives you just enough information to, and right. you have enough information about what's in your deck to know if things go right, this is possible. Um, but uh, but yeah. you're you're mentioning uh, also Aeon's End, and I'm curious what it is about the Aeon's End that has you thinking, thinking along the same line. So go go ahead. Oh, um, so Aeon's End gives you more ways to build up than just you know buying cards, right? You've also got your each character's unique ability, and you can just you know if you choose to on your turn you can spend your um ether i think it's called ether is the is the currency in that game um and build up your ability and then if you get enough tokens depending on which character you're playing um then you can fire it off you know what i mean oh, the fact that the monster's deck the nemesis rather the nemesis's deck is arranged uh in order from uh you know here are the weaker ones and then you've got the middle ones and then you've got the so um it does a little bit of that as well, kind of matching the challenge level to where your deck is probably going to be built up to at that stage in the game. I liken the experience of playing Aeons and to, um, you know, riding a, a decent, a good roller coaster, not one of those dangerous ones, um, you know, but like going to a, a name brand theme park and going to the Great American Scream Machine, and you're looking now, at hold it. Hold you know, what, what is your life that you've been going <laughs> places to like offshoot I lived... <laughs> backyard roller coasters? <laughs> I lived in New Jersey. Have you heard of Action Park? <laughs> uh, uh -uh. Oh, oh, well, look it up. There's a there's a great uh, documentary on Action Park on Netflix uh, back in the 80s. It was a they, it was a very, very actually legitimately dangerous water a theme park. Um people actually got hurt i mean like every week people were getting hurt and and there was a very lax kind of um you know devotion to safety um, so but but you know people who live through that experience they're like yeah man we went through that and you didn't like you, you got to your safe disney your universal or six six flags parks and we actually had an element of danger that you didn't you never had anyway so um 
so, so Eon's End is the great American screen machine. There's seven loops. It's going to be that, but it's, it's, it's reliable. It's predictable. You know what the experience is, and you know it's reliably going to take 45 minutes to play, and you're going to have a roller coaster, you know, thing, a ton of fun. That's uh, how I think about, you know, like the, the experience of playing Eon's End, at least the only boxes I have, which is the second edition box and the uh, War Eternal, the, the earlier stuff, you know, back when, back when it was still cool, you know, not when, not, now, of course, like, you know, there's like 20 different boxes of Aeon's End and people are like, where do I jump into and how do I, and I'm like, I don't know, because. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> so. I, I played it a few times and I got the app and that's a solid app version of it. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. It's just to me is fine. It's. <laughs> fine and i think it's because it's got the core deck build to it of you're going to get your crystals which is going to allow you to buy something from the market and the market is out there and it's always the same market and i think to me i've learned that i just don't find that exciting yeah um, that's fine which uh, which i think it was why i like tenfer and it's why i also like the uh great port because yeah. it's you know great port you have four weapons you have four characters out there that you can buy and you buy one you flip a new card and it's going to be something different right and so well that, that comes back i always talk about how much I like chaos in my games i i boy, yeah. i love me some chaos cosmic frog is one of my new favorite things because it is pure chaos i mean <laughs> yeah well, i mean you look at the art you look at the art on that game go go ahead as i babble and pull up the art on cosmic frog Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> it's and, and, it's and, pretty psychedelic, <laughs> and that's and that's what you get. I mean, crazy. is it is it related to uh, Dungeon Degenerates at all? Because that's another no, game with crazy no, not, not crazy art. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, I like the art on Cosmic Frog. I do not like the art on Dungeon Degenerates. Yeah. Um, but now we've gone way way off. Of, ooh, <laughs> I just I'm pointing. Madara just got delivered outside my door. <laughs> so I'll be punching stuff for the rest of the day. How, how many boxes uh, is that? <laughs> it's one, but it's a 22 pound box. Oh, well, it's two pounds lighter than Gloomhaven. At least there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let, let me tell you the best thing that ever happened was when we finished Gloomhaven and I sent the box home with the person who actually owned it. <laughs> and I think wow. he thought it was going to stay here. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Take it away. But anyhow, um, we've now gone like two hours. We're probably, we were talking about going an hour. Michael abandoned us. We've been <laughs> babbling forever. Fletcher probably needs to go out. Beatrice has been <laughs> scratched at the door once or twice and left. But you, you, you're going to have to cut those pictures in of Beatrice and Fletcher. And, and they have to have a play date at some point. <laughs> well, it, we, we should, except what the play date will be for Beatrice is she'll jump up on the chair because she doesn't like dogs. Oh yeah, <laughs> she, she thinks she's people. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's, it's very, very bizarre. There's like three dogs that she'll hang out with, kind of. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like a, it's kind of like playing a Euro game for her. Multiplayer <laughs> solitaire, she's okay with that. <laughs> but if you try to come play with her as a you're a dog, she's like, ooh, ooh. Because I mean, you know, she's a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, so she's very upper crust. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I mean, she was bred to be a foot warmer, so <laughs> she 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 knows what's up. 
But anyhow, thank you so much for joining us yeah. or joining us, joining me. I say us like I'm important for, for, <laughs> joining, for joining me on this one early in the morning. And before we go, do you have any words of gaming wisdom? I, wow. Uh, I'm all out of wisdom if I ever had any. Um, I want to say thank you very, very much for inviting me. I had a blast. Um, uh, the, the, the structure uh, of this show is a lot less restrictive than our usual one. Um, so it's uh, just very refreshing to be able to just go off and, and, and talk about all these things. And I think that we've I've been very fascinated by the things that we've been talking about. Um, I think if there's any wisdom I've acquired in my whatever three plus years uh, in this is, I'll just echo something that some of the greats, uh, one of the greats have said. So uh, Martin Wallace, right? I adore Australia, one of his designs. I was, yes, he also his, got a, his, zombie, his zombie game. Australia. His zombie game, absolutely. <laughs> I'll just go with it. Um, I remember uh, I was asked to submit a video for the Manchester Game Jam last year, pre-COVID, because it was a game competition in the UK run by these great couple of guys, Peter Illingsworth and uh, this other gentleman. And um, they were like, hey, Martin, since you're so into print and play, can you um, submit a video just like talking to these, like, you know, five, 10 minute video, just giving them tips and tips on print and play. So I did. and um, then. After I submitted it, I went and took a look at their website. And in their website, they had apparently asked other people, other luminaries of the, you know, the, the game development world to also, and one of the, like, literally my video was right under Martin Wallace's video. And I'm like, what? And you immediately <laughs> so, went back and demanded top billing? <laughs> like, how dare you put that Martin above me? No. <laughs> So clearly I was just, G comes before W. <laughs> so if you could fix that. Uh, duh. Um, but but anyway, so so this is so Martin Wallace, I clicked his video and I watched it. And and by the way, I just want to there's absolutely no way or reason in this world that I should ever be mentioned in the same breath as as someone who has designed some classic games like brass and etc. But anyway. It's super relaxed. It's pre-COVID. He's on his backyard on his deck in Australia, you know, and he's just like talking to the camera, somebody holding up an iPhone. It's like, somebody asked me to tell you what I think about board game design, blah, blah, blah. And he's literally just tossing it off. And which is, I think, the best, right? Like, you know, like I'm I'm so incredible at this and I'm so experienced. I'm just gonna talk off that. And so anyway, in other words, not not no air of self-importance whatsoever. But what he said was, the first thing he said was, keep things simple, which, you know, he goes, which, which is but by saying that, I don't mean that because, you know, obviously he's designed very, very complex games, but he goes, what he means is keep the game as simple as it needs to be and allow the complexity to emerge from the interactions between these simple elements. And that's where the complexity kind of, he goes, it's an emergent gameplay. And, and I think about that all the time. And I try to apply that in everything I do, which is game related, which is, you know, because it, it just makes a lot of sense to me. It's like, well, if you start out with a design that's whatever, a solo AI or a game design or a, that's way too complicated, too many, too many ingredients in the pot, then it's just a lot harder to figure out how they're all going to work together. But start with those like simple building blocks and then just trust 
that you know kind of like procedurally by this thing which has this one characteristic and you put it in an interaction with this other thing with this different characteristic and how they're going to logically interact with each other will lead to you know more complex interactions so that's that's the that's the wisdom, if anything, that I want to leave you with is, is Martin Wallace's wisdom. <laughs> well, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody, you can find out how to listen to Solosaurus. Uh, just check down in the description, either the video that you're watching or the podcast description. It will be down there. Make sure you, well, I don't know how you subscribe to a podcast, but subscribe to his podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. You, you tap on a thing on the screen is apparently yeah. how that works. Apparently. So everyone, as always, thank you so very much for joining us. And if you enjoy the episode, please like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Oh, that's the wrong camera. I want this camera. Yeah, we don't need your OnlyFans camera. My OnlyFans. Oh my gosh, that's too horrible to contemplate. Um, my daughter just taught me what that meant, uh, like uh, last week. I didn't know what that meant. And now you're contemplating it. I mean, if I get desperate enough. But you know, the, that we were talking about that on the last episode of Solosaurus. It's like, yeah, if we ever did a Patreon, that would be people paying us to not subscribe to them. So here's another bonus for you not to subscribe is um, when you subscribe to our Patreon, you also get free access to our OnlyFans. So there's going to be that one person that's really excited about it. <laughs> William Chu on Board Game Spotlight would be be the only person. Oh, there we go. Oops. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, you're very popular with the animals. Uh, which beast is that behind you? Yeah, is that Fletcher? Is there a beast behind me? Yeah, that is Fletcher. Um, <laughs> he's now almost 11 years old. And, and you know, he's he just basically stays away from the three the three younger pups. Yeah. Uh, that was good, because when you said that he turned, he just, he just looked at us like, wait, but keep uh, my name out of your mouth. <laughs> so so why, why are you shilling for bgg here what's going on oh they, they pay you a, for this they pay this you was, for this? no no this is a christmas gift from my kids <clears throat> um they they put he he mamando he's 17 he researched it himself he was asking me all these questions he's like dad why do you what are, what are those uh citizenship stars you have on bgg that you were telling me about so i explained to him the citizenship stars and how you know other people have to grant them to you 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 know you can you don't lobby for them you just kind of get them for doing things for folks and folks appreciate you and bgg whatever and he's saying why do you have six stars oh you know because whatever and so he makes me a shirt and he puts the six the six citizenship stars so that's that kind of cool now, now i just want to call out what's clearly not what actually happened dad why do you have six stars oh yeah whatever that was a 40 minute lecture on why you have six stars right yes absolutely <laughs> i mean just to say well sit down son first <laughs> yeah i got all this geek gold i don't know what to do with I got <laughs> you give it away it. you give it away you give but it away to if, other people but what if i need it <laughs> what if the economy <laughs> collapses around the world and that's all that we use like what if what if geek gold is the next dogecoin <laughs> <laughs>